this is Craig Medaglia from the Wally Mathot Show. You are listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jesse. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's going about as well as it reasonably can, given that I'm not allowed to leave the house again. (laughs) Okay, so you just want to quickly update our listeners on what do you mean by that exactly? Yeah, so I've got a flu. I can't get tested, so I can't leave the house. Fun. The symptoms are gone, so I, honestly, either way, I'll probably be fine to leave the house tomorrow because it's five days or symptoms disappear, whichever is later. Symptoms are gone. Okay, that's good to hear. That's good to hear because when you messaged me earlier, either yesterday or today, and you said that you had a wicked flu, I was like, oh, that's not good. I really hope it's not, you know, COVID. I mean, it probably is. Like, I started feeling pretty bad like a few days after getting home from the plane so i was like yeah if i was gonna get it anywhere (laughs) it was being stuck in an airport then sitting on a plane that's fair yeah that's fair enough so tim i am really glad to hear that you are feeling much better because even though we don't have the game to talk about this week we're still going to have a pretty good episode to talk about. And we're going to start off with talking about our cover athlete for this week, because this week's episode is season five, episode 13 in chronological order, episode 108, the Frank Finnegan edition of the third line plug Sensecast. So just a little background about Frank Finnegan. He played 11 seasons with the Ottawa Senators slash St. Louis Eagles, recording 102 goals, 67 assists for 169 points in 400 games. He won two Stanley Cups in 1927 with the Ottawa Senators and 1932 with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He was a part of the Bring Back the Senators campaign. Unfortunately, he was unable to see the Senators opening night as he passed away on Christmas Day, 1991. And the Ottawa Senators retired his number eight during the franchise's opening game versus the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, and it's kind of incredible to think that he was part of those teams that did end up winning the Silver Seven, right? Mm-hmm. And then six games played was enough to win a playoffs back then. <laughs> God, can you imagine how many Stanley Cups we would have today if they still maintain with that format? Yeah, no kidding. But then again, same with the old NHL, right? True. Because, yeah, like, at one point it did end up getting winnowed down to six teams, right? Yeah, that's true. Because I think back in the original six, I think all you had to win was two playoff series. Yeah. Because, yeah, uh, when Ottawa won the 
their last cup in 26, 27, there were 10 teams. Yeah. I'm just thinking, I think if we remain that, I, we would have had at least two. Yeah. In 03 and 2017. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting that like from 10, it did go all the way down to six before all the expansions happened. Like the Ottawa senders and eventually St. Louis Eagles disappeared. And I think the last team to go before was the Brooklyn Americans. I think so. Yeah. Something like that. I think for me, Oh, see, I everybody up here now. It's my phone went off. <laughs> I think for myself, when you talk about Frank Finnegan, obviously he's a player way before our time. But I think when you really think about the Ottawa Senators history, Frank Finnegan is obviously a name that comes up first and foremost. Number one, like I said, he was a part of the Bring Back the Senators campaign, which we got a chance to talk with Bruce Firestone about when we had him on the podcast a couple of years ago. And that was one of the things that he talked about was his role in the campaign and everything he did to support this team. And hopefully he gets it. And it is, a, it is kind of a shame. It is kind of a shame. He wasn't able to see the senators play their first game. And I think that's really cool that the team retired as number eight. And the, one of the big things I think about is that if you really look at that Sens team, I don't think Frank Finnegan would have been their first choice if they had a couple of other guys still alive. I mean, at the same time though, had they all been alive, I think they would have gone with as many as they could have. They could have. I mean, I think you could probably look this up if you want, but I think the most logical answer, I think, would have been Cyclone Taylor. Yeah, probably. If he was still alive, but I think he was, I think he had passed away in the 70s or something, or 70s, 80s when I last checked. So, but no, Frank Finnegan, it is really cool though. And obviously, like I said, when we had Bruce Firestone on, he talked about Frank and we got some really cool stories about him. And it was really good. So I'm obviously, I'm not shocked that he's our cover athlete, but he's still a good one regardless. Yep. So Tim, we got to plug next week's cover athlete poll because next week's episode is season five, episode 14 in chronological order, episode 109. Now we've got some big names on the board, Tim. And of course you want to talk about a fan. You want to talk about a pool or poll, sorry, spans Three eras of the Senators. <laughs> the three names on the board are Martin Havlat, Milan McCulloch, and Josh Norris. Yeah, you've got pretty much the three major eras of the Senators besides the rebuild. Pretty much. I think the only era that you don't have right there is the expansion years, because basically you have... That's why I meant by rebuild. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so basically all you have is like the late 90s or 2000s teams the Carlson yeah. years, and now you got the Brady and Shabbat era. Yeah. And, well, it's the McCulloch years are also kind of the late, it's the late Alfie Spezza years. Mm. And, yeah, into the Carlson years. That is true. I, I kind of wish that Milan McCulloch would have gotten a little more love on the poll because I had a look before we hit record, and Josh Norris is just running away with it right now. But you know what? Milan McCulloch's still a good player, and he's a player that... I think he had a really big uphill fight because you're replacing Mr. 50 and 07. Yeah. And because he really what he really was the piece that, <clears throat> that Danny Heatley forced trade centered on. Yep. And to be fair, like he was very good in like underratedly good in Ottawa during his time. 
He was. And I, even his time in Toronto wasn't bad. It's true. I think as Sam in Ottawa, I think for myself, two things that really come up to mind was the, the fact he was always hurt. But yep. when he was healthy, the guy was a really good player. I think he was like the last guy to score 30 goals on this end. Mm-hmm. Really? And <clears throat> the thing about Milan McCall, this is basically just turning into Milan McCall <laughs> discussion point, is that his underlying numbers were always really good. And he had a wicked finish, like a wicked underrated finish. He did. I think for myself, the main image I have of Milan McCulloch happened in the 2013 playoffs. I think it was, uh, who the hell was it? Andre Benoit. He fed him a pass and he just went right down the middle and scored. Yeah. And his, his wrister was always perfectly placed too. Eh? Like he could just get that thing off in a phone booth. Actually, his goal against Washington. He has a really good goal against the Capitals too. Yeah, and it was also like a, a wrist shot off the rust, too, if I remember correctly. It's true, but remember he took his glove off and he twirled yeah. it in the air like a goal awesome. Yeah, that was good. Awesome stuff. So, yeah, so that's going to be our poll for next week's episode. But until then, we've got to move on to this episode. Now, like I said, it's going to be a shorter episode than usual without the games, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to ask you about how your week has been going because our listeners always love learning about it outside of being sick. I actually end up. Yeah. Because I, it was weird. Like as far as the symptoms that I got, they were very minimal. Like it was a very light sore throat, very almost no congestion. It was there, but it was just like headache been just really tired. So it was basically Remember when I was doing the sick episode of uh, Third Line Plugs earlier in 2021? Yep. It was like that, but over two days instead of one. And I didn't even realize you were sick until after we finished recording. Well, I mean, you noticed. <laughs> you're, yeah, but more like way when all I see is your head going down. I'm like, what's going on there? Well, you're also, it's like, how the hell could this man not get through an entire cupcake in an hour of recording here? But yeah, it was basically that. So I think between Friday and Saturday, I think I was only awake for about eight hours. And yeah, I just, yeah, I slept easily 30, almost 40 hours. That's not too bad, though. Not too bad, even though you were sick. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to recapping the week, I don't want to end on a sour note. So do you want to talk about a little bit about how your Christmas vacation went? Because I know that you were in studio for the last yeah. So we actually, I did end up getting to see my family, which was really nice. Uh, it's been about eight months since I last saw them. So it was good. It was good. Yeah, we got to hang out and I beat you guys at Mario Party. You did? You did? And but... you almost choked Mario Golf. Oh, God. You have <laughs> to bring that up, don't you? Okay, so for the listeners who don't know, so my girlfriend Katrina finally bought Mario Golf. And when we were recording our last episode, after we finished recording, we went over to her place. We played some Mario Golf. I think I played it maybe once. Tim had never played it before. Yeah. And Tim beat me. No, no. You beat me. Did I? But it came down to the last hole. And you almost choked your putt. That's right. (laughs) Okay. Yes, you're right. It was Mario Party. I thought it was Mario Golf. but No, no. I beat you at Mario Party. That is true. Yeah, Mario Party. You kicked my ass at that. I mean, it's Mario Party. It's random. Yeah. But no, but, the Mario Golf game, that was that was fun, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was funny because the 
while while we're playing Mario Golf, the whole time in my head, I was thinking it's like, yo, this is like that time that me, Chelsea, and two of my buds went downtown to Greta Bar and uh, just played almost eight. We got through almost all eighteen holes of uh, Golden Rings Golf. Oh, so, Golden Tees. Golden Tees. Yeah, sorry. So for people who don't know, it's an arcade golf game where instead of using your usual button mechanic or some side of motion control gimmick, you have a trackpad that you can use to basically simulate how a golf club would hit a golf ball. And yeah, it was just four of us in the basement of Greta Bar laughing our asses off playing uh, this golf game, dumb, like really dumb outfits. Because like, yeah, one of the default clothing options is a pop hat. Amazing. Yeah, no, good times, good times. You know what I always remember about playing Mario Golf with you was how pissed you would get if I was in the like the barely in the rough or on the fairway and I'm putting it onto the green and you're like, you can't do that. I'm like, what do you mean? I just did. Yeah, no, that doesn't work that way. And I hate that that the game lets you do stuff like that. You putted you know your way out of a sand trap, for God's sake. I did not. No, I shifted <laughs> out of the sand trap. It okay. was I was in the rough. I was in right. the rough on that little hill and it rolled down the hill. That's so much. Yeah, that's something I learned play, like playing golf with my dad when I was a kid because my dad always did that. If it was like on the fairway, not too far away from the green, he just putted it under the green. Okay, the fairway is one thing. The rough, no, I get that. The rough, <laughs> okay, I get that. Doesn't mean it didn't stop me from trying. <laughs> oh, okay, I got a quick story to tell you. Okay, okay. Okay, so so my mom's work, they did a golf tournament. This is almost 10 years ago. Oh, okay. well, well over, yeah, well over seven, seven, eight years ago now. And so I went to the golf tournament, and as you do at a golf tournament, I got drunk. You as had you refreshments, do. yes. Exactly. And of course, I'm in the sand trap, and I'm like half cut. I'm cut at this point. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm barely standing up, and I chipped it out of the bunker. And it landed into the hole. Nice. Like, nice. And uh, what were people's reactions? It was like, well done. Or, dude, you serious? (laughs) That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's not as funny as the work golf tournament I went to that one year where basically I looked at the golf drink girl. She drove by. She's like, hey, mess, how how many beers could I buy for 20 bucks? And she's just like, four. Here you go. Thank you. And I had like all four in the in the cart with me nice. so basically if i got out of the cart the beer cans would fall out with me <laughs> oh that that's powerful that was the that was the tournament that we went to where my coworker he thought it would be funny to drift with the cart and he almost tipped it over with us in it <laughs> i can't imagine a golf cart even really quartering that well let alone doing it while breaking You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. I think if you turn it hard enough and hit the brakes at the right time, but that's that (laughs) tournament that one of my buddies who I worked with, he and one of our coworkers, they were driving along. They're like, where are we going? And they hit the sand bunker and they cleared it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's legit. It's so legit, man. It's so legit. So I'll quickly talk about my Christmas vacation because you know what, Tim, I'm going back to work tomorrow. It's sad, man. It's it's sad. Yeah. But you know what? These last couple of weeks off have been really, really nice. 
And I know that you talked about you getting a chance to see your family. I'm really happy that you consider me part of family now. So that's Aww. good. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> but no, it was great. And obviously, I got to spend some time with Katrina in Vancouver over the weekend because we were going to go see the Canucks and Sens game. And of course, that got postponed. But we were just like, okay, well, look, we're in Vancouver. We got a hotel room. Like, what do you want to do? And she's like, well, you know, I've never been to Science World before. I was like, cool, let's go to Science World. You had to book to get in. Yeah. I didn't know this because I've never been to SeaWorld. You usually don't. Yeah, but I didn't think about this, right? Yeah. You know, because my dumbass is like, yeah, we'll just walk up and buy tickets. It's not a big deal. So, yeah, we couldn't get in because you had to book in advance. And we're like, okay, what do we do? What do we want to do now? Uh, I don't know. And she said, what was there was like a police museum because she wanted to go see the museums there. Yeah. Let's go to a police museum, but it's like four or five blocks away while well, her back started bugging her. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to make you for it. I'm not going to force you to do this. We'll just go back this way towards the hotel. The BC sports museum is there. It's closed. God damn it. I was so pissed. I was like the one time I wanted to see the BC sports museum, because again, think of all the BC sports stuff they got in there. They've got, now I had a look in the window. So obviously they had the, not the toboggan, uh, the bobsled from the 2010 Olympics. They obviously had Canucks stuff in there. They had Larry Walker stuff. Two things I really wanted to see is that they have the, if you remember back in the days of the Vancouver Grizzlies, yeah, they've got a Bryant Reeves, like big country. Oh, wow. They've got a little exhibit there. The lady who brought that stuff in actually did a really good documentary called Finding Big Country. And I think uh-huh. I've, mentioned, I've mentioned this on the podcast where this lady from Vancouver who grew up a big Grizzlies fan and she was a big Bryant Reeves fan. And of course, when the team left, Bryant Reeves played a couple of preseason games, retired, and then he just dipped. <laughs> Nobody heard from him again for like 20 years. Oh, he pulled a Richard Simmons. Yes, he just he just dipped. Nobody heard from him, doesn't have social media, any of that stuff. And so she went on a hunt to find big country. Yeah. And it turns out he just owns a ranch in Oklahoma. Hey, honestly, more power to him. And yeah. it almost sounds nice not having social media. That's true, right? I know. Since Twitter, even on my end, it's just like, God, you people are so fucking exhausting. Well, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I've realized that I mostly use, the only thing I kind of use is like the messenger apps. Yeah, just to keep up with people. And sometimes I'll use Twitter. It's just like, I don't really know what I want to (laughs) say. Mostly just anime stuff that you read. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, and of course, third line plug. Yeah. Good stuff, though, good stuff. But no, like I said, I was really, really happy that we got a chance to see each other. And going back to what I was saying about Vancouver, so again, because her back was killing her, I was like, okay, look, I'm not going to force her to go anywhere. So we went to dinner at the most romantic place in town, OJ's, you in the lobby of the hotel, because oh, okay. we're like, oh, okay, gotcha, oh, gotcha. there's gotcha. Joe's there. Let's just go here. And our meal was pretty good, but I guess like she's intolerant to MSG. And the poutine uh, had gravy on it, so her stomach was killing her. Uh, and we were planning to go into a the barcade neck over the den. Yeah. And we're like, okay, look, your stomach's killing you. You're not feeling well. We'll just go back in the hotel and we'll hang out for the night. Yeah. So that's what we did. So it wasn't too bad. Yeah. But other than yeah. that, I mean, Christmas break was good, though. I got to do... What did I do over that? I got to do a couple of episodes of The Great White Experience, my other podcast... The newest podcast I got to do was with Mike McFarlane, a.k.a. Mike the Bot from Bobcast. And we got to talk about our favorite Canadian wrestlers. 
How'd that one go? Pretty good. Really, really fun. That was so much fun just to geek out on wrestling with Mike. And it was like the first time that we ever got, I ever got a chance to work with him. So it was great to sit down, BS. He told some great stories about working with Tyron Torrens and some of his favorite wrestlers. So it was good. And I guess I could plug right now that I am already planning on a new Great Wood Experience episode in February. Nice. Uh, yeah, I actually finally got uh, around to editing my latest episode of Wallow Weiss, and we're just putting it through some quality control. And then uh, I'm hoping to have it out by the end of the week. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, it turned out it, it only came out at two hours, not the two and a half that I thought it was going to be. All right. Yeah. So, uh, very long form interview. <laughs> That's not too bad, man. That's not too bad, though. Yeah, no. So, uh, I might have one more episode up my sleeve for January, but yeah. I think monthly is a pretty good pace for that kind of thing. I think so. Like, even with Great Red Experience, like, I'm planning on doing once a month. I think once the hockey season's over, or, you know, whenever they decide that, ah, fuck it, we don't need to play anymore, it's cancelled. I think in the summertime, I'll definitely try and do more episodes, but, you know, I'm just trying to do one once a month. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned, ah, fuck it, they might just cancel it. Because one thing I've noticed is a lot more, even some of the official channels are starting to talk about points percentage mm-hmm. as opposed to just points when it comes to looking at where teams stack up. Do you think they might actually just say, you know what, screw it, we're just going to go to the playoffs at, at the start of May, whatever. Part of me wonders if they'll do something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Maybe maybe they'll do like a big tournament that just kind of determines the Stanley Cup winner. You mean like a playoff? Yeah, like a sweet 16 playoff. Yeah. Well, I guess the other thing that they might, I wouldn't be stuck. What if it's like the initial version of the Frozen Four? Well, it could be cool. But I think the what they'll probably end up doing is at least try to get the teams up to even reschedule in such a way that the teams that obviously are going to be in the playoffs will have all their games done. Yeah. And then uh, they'll find a way to get the teams that are likely going to be into the playoffs. And then uh, a bunch of optional games for teams that are obviously out, but it gets to be a bit of a problem with like the Islanders having played like 25 games. Ottawa's played less than 30. It's, yeah, and like other Canadian teams have played just as two Seattle's missed a bunch too. So it's going to be tough making back the games. Like maybe they go down to 60 and just fill out what they can. Yeah. Because I think, I'm not sure about other teams, but at least with Ottawa, they've played most of the West Coast teams, which is a saving grace. The only one I they missed out on they haven't played winnipeg or the alberta teams yet and we haven't played seattle but we played we played vegas we played the california teams which would be the most difficult ones to play against we've played dallas twice i think we've played all our games against dallas uh we've played we haven't played arizona but that doesn't that might matter for tank bowl but that's one that you could probably push even during the playoffs if you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. So they'll probably figure something out. Yeah. Actually, have we played the, have we played the Habs yet? No, we haven't. Even, Montreal, we haven't played yet. 
Buffalo, we haven't, yeah, we haven't played. played. Detroit, we haven't played yet. There's so many teams in our own division we even haven't played yet. Yeah, because we've played the Leafs three times. We've played Tampa th- three times and Florida twice. No, I think we played Florida once, haven't we? Why do, why do you think we played them twice? Okay. We might have played them twice. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, so it's like we've played a decent amount against some of the teams that would be harder to pl- schedule a game against. Yeah. Or or do more centralized games, like do more games within the division. Yeah. Yeah, well, they'll have to figure something out. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So let's talk about last week's episode because you and I were both in studio, the great white studio for that episode. So I got to talk. Now, number one, of course, we only had, did we even have games last week? We had a game. That's right. We had the Toronto game. That's right. Yeah. Other than that, other than the one Leafs game, I thought it went well. I thought it was just a fun episode. It's always good to have you and I in the studio at the same time because you could definitely tell how much (laughs) the timing really is when we're together. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it tightens right the heck up, eh? Yeah. Um, and you can't re- you can kind of recreate it with editing, but not really. That is true. Um, and then it was funny because did we mention Antonio Brown on the episode? Yes, you did. Yes. Yeah, you mentioned like, man, did you happen to see what he did? And I was like, yes. Yeah, because that was happening as we were recording. Because <laughs> Yeah, that, that definitely became more of a football episode than a hockey episode. Granted, not a lot of hockey happened that week. So, uh, and a lot of football happened. Holy shit. Oh, yes. Well, I think I think the best thing about the Antonio Brown thing was really that we finally got the first meme of 22. The best meme I saw was, what was it? If fuck it was an actual, uh, I'm going to find this meme. I posted on my on social media. Yeah, like if. If fuck it was a picture and it's Antonio Brown whooping up the crowd. Uh, there's also someone had the photo of Antonio Brown. Oh, here it was. Stuff. If fuck this job was a person. Yeah. Fuck this job was a person. It's Antonio Brown. But uh, I I greatly appreciate the photo of Antonio Brown calling an Uber. <laughs> I like the fact that one of my coworkers' husbands, he posted a comment and he says... Every day is a half day if you just fucking leave. <laughs> you just That's awesome. God. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what actually comes out of that because uh, it sounds like they were trying to make Antonio Brown play hurt. Mm-hmm. Which is not uncommon in sports to play yeah. injured. It's just very uncommon for a player to say, no, I'm not going in. Yeah, well, for the, the way that game was going, I'm surprised they they wanted to put him back in because Antonio Brown was not having a game. No. And uh, dude's ankle was clearly fucked. It's true. But you know what, though? The end of this season is going to be such a weird one because I think we've seen the last of Antonio Brown. Roethlisberger is coming to an end. Russell Wilson might be might be his end in Seattle might be happening, even though all signs are now pointing like they're not going to trade him. But... I don't know. That's a whole whole different story, though. But no, last week's episode was really good. Really happy that we got together in studio, and yeah, that's all I can really say on that, man. It was just a good episode to have you back in studio. Yeah, and it was just fun. 
Yeah. I think the best thing about that day was that we all went out for dinner that night. Yeah. Yeah. That's always good seeing Andrew. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So Tim, this would be the top of the, this would be the time of the episode where I would segue into top of the hour, but given we don't have any games this week, we've actually got to do something that we haven't done in a while. My favorite segment, your favorite segment, discussion point. So for those who don't know, Discussion Point is a segment where Tim and I will talk about something that we see on social media, whether it be a hot take, a story, or we just find something that we find interesting. Now, given that we don't have any games this week, and we're talking about very disappointing because, you know, I was really looking forward to talking about some games this week. Now, on the topic of disappointment, Tim, I've got a really good Discussion Point. We just came up as we hit record. for For today's Discussion Point, the topic is... Was the end of the 2005-2006 season the most disappointing in Senators history? I'm going to go ahead and say it was. Because, again, you look at that team that we iced when we had the first year of the cash line, Hasek, Emery, Chara Redden. You look at that team and you're like, that's a cup-winning team right there. And it did not happen. Well, the tough thing is, is I'm going to read out the score lines okay. from – the Ottawa Buffalo series in 0506. The series went five games. Ottawa loses four to one. Game one, Buffalo wins seven to six. Game two, sorry, seven to six in overtime. Game two, Buffalo wins two to one. Game three, Buffalo wins three to two in overtime. Game three, Ottawa wins two to one. And game five, Buffalo wins on a shorthanded goal, three to in overtime. And the key. The thing about all of these games is the Ottawa Senators probably deserve to win each and every one of them. They did. But they did not get a goaltending performance above 900. No, but I mean, in fairness, and that's, you know, in that first game when you're letting in six goals, that's pretty bad. But I think I have to wonder, and this has been something that's been very debated over the years, how differently that playoff series would have gone if Hasek came back to play. Every one of those games was winnable. Ryan Miller, credit to him, after that first game, he tightened it up. Game two, where Ottawa scored one goal, was a 44 save affair. So it was 44, 43 saves on 44 shots against. The 3-2 game is a similar story. Ottawa peppered him, Ottawa peppered him with about 30 shots let it in two goals. Ray Emery let three in on 25, sorry, on 24. So like Ottawa's defense was doing its job. Ottawa's forwards were doing their job. Yeah. Unfortunately, Ray Emery was young and it just wasn't going his way. And the last game that Ottawa lost in overtime, Ray Emery, like Ryan Miller had two goals on 36 shots. Ray Emery had three on 24. You're not going to win with that. No, but you know what? I think when talking about the 0506 Sabres team, you want if you talk to Buffalo fans, I think it's really funny because as Senators fans look at the 0506 season as our best team, there's a lot of Sabres fans that still believe the 06 Sabres, if they had won that seventh game against the Hurricanes, they could have beaten Edmonton in the finals. Oh, I think so too. Because that's it seems like a team of destiny because when you look at the playoff series, they went through, like they went through Philly who is no slouch. They went through us 
who is no slouch. They went seven games with a team that won the Stanley Cup. So those two teams, that 05, 06, 06, 07 Sabre teams, they went through tough competition because the next year they went through the Rangers and I think they went through, who did they go through in the second round? Um, God, I can't remember off the top of my head right now who they were. <laughs> anyway, no, those teams were really good and yeah, good on them. But yeah, that 05, 06 Sens team, as I said, that's got to be the most disappointing because again, if we got through Buffalo, pretty good chance we would have gone through Carolina as well. Yeah, and that Edmonton team will both those the Edmonton team and the Carolina team were fairly weak. Which is funny because you look at that Carolina team and while you scratch your head and go, how did this team win the Stanley Cup? But you gotta think the team had Rod Brendamore. It had that's true, Doug Wade. It had a very good Cam Ward. Marty Gerber, who carried that team to the playoffs, was their backup. You look at that roster, Eric Stahl was on that team. Justin Williams was on that team. They had a team that was very, very talented. Yeah, the Edmonton team felt fluky. Yes, that's a team that it caught fire at the right time. Yeah, because frankly, like outside of Alex Hamsky and Chris Pronger, who do you even really remember from that team? Top line center, Jarrett Stoll. Uh, I remember a few guys from that team. Ryan Smith was on that team. Sergei Samsonov was on that team. Who was also on that team? Uh, yeah, but Samsonov had like 16 points on the season. But keep in mind, Samsonov was a guy who, when he came to Edmonton, he came off how many good seasons in Boston? That's true. Now, of course, that could be contributed to the fact he played with Joe Thornton for a lot of those years. But you know what? I definitely remember Sergei Samsonov. He was actually one of my favorite guys when I was growing up. Fair enough. Well, it's also Dwayne Rollison just kind of showed up. Oh, 27 goal man, Rafi Torres. Rafi Torres. The swan song of Michael Pekka. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just like, yeah, that was a team that caught fire because outside of Alice Hemsky and Sean Horcroft, the one season of Sean Horcroft, there was not a lot of top-end talent on that team. And Chris Pronger, I thought they – was he a late addition or – no. He was you know, he was there the whole time, yeah. yeah. They made the deal with him in 2004. I remember who they traded. I think they traded Eric Brewer and somebody else to St. Louis to get him. Right. But you know what? You look at that Oilers team, and while I think Oilers fans definitely look back on it in fondness – Again, look at the teams that Edmonton had to go through. The number one seeded in the NHL, Detroit. They went through Detroit. They went through a very tough Anaheim team that won the cup the next year. Yeah. And who, who again, who did they beat in the second round again? Uh, they beat San Jose. San Jose, thank you. I was like, fuck, who do they beat? That's right, because they played San Jose second and they played the Ducks in the conference finals. Like, that was such a, like, yeah, they went, they probably went through the, well, they were the eighth seed. They went through the hardest seeds. So, like, yeah, it was a team of destiny sort of thing. But it was just, you look at that team, it's like, well, there is a reason they were third in the Northwest Division. And they were literally NHL 500. Yep. Yeah, because they barely just made it in. I think they made it in by a point. Yeah. Well, didn't they end up not basically edging out Dallas? Vancouver. No Vancouver, right. 
in the edge of Vancouver with my one point. Was that because of the Patrick Stefan trip? No, no. That, was oh, that was the next year. By the way, I'm amazed we have gone this long without mentioning 15 years ago, this past week, the Patrick, the Patrick Stefan no goal. <laughs> which by the way i think somebody posted an article that's the goal that cost the oilers patrick kane right i remember that goal being oddly important but i always forget why you know what's hilarious is that nobody remembers that dallas actually won that game yeah because they went, it's... To, they went to ot and they won it and marty turco in the post game's like Thank God we won it because I don't want anybody here talking about Patrick Steffen. 15 years later, they're still yeah. talking about the fact that he did that, not that Dallas won. Well, it's funny because I remember one of my friends who I met in university, funnily enough, also from St. Albert, where Chelsea's from, was a Dallas fan. And she was at that game. No. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, we watched him trip. And I was like, well, I have to see how this ends. And thankfully we won because if we had lost, there was no way I was walking out of there with that jersey on. No. <laughs> it's like I was watching something on Instagram there this morning, and there was this little kid that was at the Avalanche Leafs game on Saturday wearing a Leafs jersey into the building, but by the end of the game, he had a Colorado jersey on. I mean, that was a rough game. I can't believe they blew another 4-1 lead. Well, to be fair. I'm surprised that Colorado let them get up so like that so quickly. That is true. Because that was, that's uncharacteristic of that team. And it was a very good, they, they just came back and played very, very, very hard. And it was a really good game to watch. Honestly. I wish I got a chance to watch the whole game. Katrina and I were watching part of it when we were in the hotel and then we went down to have dinner they had the tv on and we watched them win an old team we're looking at each other like no way that's amazing <laughs> oh it was too funny yeah i'm gonna have to find exactly what day it is so i can send my friend the 15th year anniversary of the patrick patrick stefanko you're gonna have to do that man now while you're doing that tim i'm gonna segue into this little segment i like to call top of the hour Nice. I like it. I like it. Not that bad of a segue. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I, I like it. I know I don't like to toot my own horn there, but you know what? Not too bad. It was pretty solid. Not a solid one anyway. So, Tim, we've got a couple of congratulations we need to give out to. First off, we're going to give a big congratulations to Florida Panthers for Joe Thornton, who played in his 17th hundred NHL game during the Panthers game versus the Dallas Stars on January 6th. Thornton, drafted first overall by the Boston Bruins in 1997, had recorded goals, assists, points. I actually kind of forgot to add it in there, but that's okay. Joe Thornton, man. The guy's had a hell of a career, eh? He has. And it's funny, eh? Because we were just talking with Sergey Sansonoff, and here's Joe Thornton, the guy that he got drafted in the same draft. Yep. And they were teammates at one point, right? They got drafted seven spots between them joe went first samsonoff went eighth right boston only acquired that because they traded glenn he not glenn healy that would have been funny glenn wesley to hartford 
right not first and then Hartford moved to Carolina to Carol and it's funny because Sasson later played for the Hurricanes too so well he's just been everywhere hasn't he Yes, but I'm not, I was always a fan of Sergey. Yeah. I actually had a poster of him when I was a kid. But no, Joe Thornton, great career. If, again, like we're talking about Big Ben and Antonio Brown, if this is the end of Joe Thornton's career at the end of this year, that's a hell of a career. Well, it's it's tough, too, because, like, Joe Thornton still looks good. Like, he hasn't had a bad season in uh, Florida, from what I've seen. Let's just look it up. Okay. Yeah, because like he's still able to finish. He's still able to skate at an NHL level. So I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Thornton has another season in him. Yeah, he's got four goals, two assists for six points right now. Yeah, and 21 games. Yep. And he hasn't looked terrible doing it. No, he hasn't. I think, honestly, the last several years, you really look at a stat line and be like, oh, boy, that's not good. But keep in mind, injuries, injuries. COVID reduced season. And he's like 42. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like, I don't think he's been terrible. No, he's been serviceable. Very serviceable. Although the Toronto year was pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. It was, was pretty rough for him, but you know, who is also getting another congratulations to Tim. Chicago Blackhawks goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury, who officially recorded one win against all 32 NHL franchises. Fleury, drafted first overall by the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2003, has recorded a 10-11-2 record with a .910 save percentage for Chicago at the time of the story. You know, he might be the only goaltender out there, save maybe who could possibly do this, except maybe Craig Anderson who has defeated both the Atlanta Thrashers and the Seattle Kraken. Like, that's actually pretty impressive. When Marc-Andre Fleury's played a hell of a lot of hockey. He has. And again, we, we keep, I keep bringing this up. Is like, Again, you talk about a goaltender that's been so oddly disrespected throughout his career. When you given the fact that he's gotten, what, three cups? Beznes? Gold medal. He's won everything. He has 500 wins and nobody wants to give him the respect that he deserves. Yeah. And it's, it basically took him to being traded to Las Vegas, sorry, being taken by Las Vegas in the expansion draft to finally get that respect because he really did backstop those Vegas runs. And I think Marc Andre Fleury was the difference between Vegas being Vegas and Vegas being Seattle. Because Seattle's team isn't actually too bad. Like, it's better than its record suggests. Still not great, honestly. Yeah. But because Seattle just cannot generate offense to save its life. Somehow, group our... Yeah, Grubauer, Dreiger, and Decord all forgot how to play somewhere along the line. Like, straight up. And that's been the difference. And we have to give massive, massive props to Marc-Andre Fleury. Absolutely. And we can't forget that in that first year, Fleury was injured, too. Fleury was injured. They went through, what, four goalies? Yeah, that was kind of incredible. Yeah. And to be fair... 
Vegas could actually competently play offense and could finish. And they got good enough goaltending that got them to the dance and Flurry took them the rest of the way. Yeah, and look at some of the guys they put into the net too. Malcolm Subban, Maxime Legacy, Dylan Ferguson, and Oscar Donsk. Like when, yeah, when you're relying on Malcolm Subban, that's your season's not going the way you wanted it to. Absolutely. I'm just going to stop here for a second because I think my dog's the door. Give me one sec here. Hey, it is you. Come here. Come here. Stop. Oh. Oh, come here, Carlos. There you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So my dog Snuff is back. <laughs> yeah, happy to have Taylor. Hmm. I think so. So Tim, you know, usually for top of the hour, usually I always say I hate talking about death. I really hate talking about COVID now. The Angel and 20 of their franchises have filed a $1 billion COVID insurance lawsuit. Said lawsuit was filed against five of their insurance providers, claiming that the companies breached contract by not reimbursing losses incurred by the NHL and teams because of the COVID-19 pandemic. The terms of these insurance agreements obviously aren't public, so we can't really adjudicate on whether the insurance company does have to pay out here. And remember that the way that teams were treating COVID versus injury reserve earlier in this year might actually have been a consequence of the way that these insurance contracts were written. Mm -hmm. So there's not much to say until more information comes out. And frankly, if they settle this, we may never know what these contracts even actually look like. It's true. I think, I think it was kind of interesting when you see some of the teams involved here, like Toronto was involved naturally Ottawa was involved, <laughs> you know, Melnick and lawsuits go together like peanut butter and jelly or like me and snuff. Oh, yeah. good girl. Uh, you, know, you just like to cuddle, don't you? Yes, you do. So, you know, Tim, you know, earlier in this episode, we were talking about Antonio Brown and some of the stuff that he's been going on. I think something we haven't mentioned is that Antonio Brown faked the Vax card earlier this season the, the one guy in the NHL who did that was Evander Kane. The San Jose Sharks have placed Evander Kane on unconditional waivers for the purpose of contract termination. Said termination is due to a breach in contract for violating the American Hockey League's COVID-19 protocols. Yeah, this probably was the plan all along. Unless he did it again. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. Um... I'd be very surprised given that's a 7 million, sorry, not 7 million, $21 million fuck up. Yeah. But you know what though, Tim, and even though like Evander Kane has been labeled as being a head case in the cancer, I often wonder because he plays a very, very physical style hockey as well. How much you want to bet he also is dealing with CTE? Maybe, but at the same time, has he always been like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's always been a bit of a head case anywhere he's played. Yeah, so... Winnipeg, might not like that. Buffalo, he was like that. And now in San Jose? Was he like... Has anyone said if he was like that in Vancouver, the Vancouver Giants organization? Uh, not that I know of, anyway. Yeah, because if he was like that as a teenager, like that as an adult, there's probably not too much to go off. Yeah. And... 
some of the insanity in his like the people around him also seem kind of insane although allegedly there are interested nhl parties should the contract be terminated the nhlpa has filed a grievance that's what unions do so this isn't the end of the story no, it isn't. And I think when I when I was reading the story, the one thing I think of is, and I completely agree, I think San Jose was looking for any reason to cut him. Yep. If the mediator agrees completely with San Jose, that gets him out without them having to send additional assets away or pay valuable cap space. That is true. That is true. And like I said, I think this was in the works the entire time. And I think they were just looking for any reason to cut him, right? So, yeah. No, this next story, Tim. Now, I want, to, I want you to take the reins on this one because I don't have. Oh, I can't. Here. Really? Yeah, no, it's uh, not my place to make public commentary on the workings of other levels of government. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, okay. so I think we'll just bring up the story and we'll move on. Okay. So the story in question is the Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation confirmed the termination of the event center project. President CTO John Bean stated that he always believed Calgary needed a new event center. However, could not see a path forward to create a viable partnership with the city. Now, given that I have nothing to really say, you can't really comment. We're going to move on to our next story. The Arizona Coyotes have partnered with Marino Gaming LLC to launch Sahara Bets, a digital bets digital sports betting platform that should be available to download on January 12th. What? This seems kind of like a Hail Mary. It does. Can you, correct me if I'm wrong here. Wasn't, isn't Mer, Merlo, isn't that uh, the dude who owns the team or a different guy? That's my understanding. Yeah, I was going to say because because I know the guy's very involved with a lot of casinos in Vegas. Yeah. And in the Phoenix area, because yeah, his background is casino ownership. So, yeah. So while you're looking that up, Tim. Yeah. What? Nothing came. Did I spell his name? Merulo. Yeah, I spelled his name. Merulo. Okay. Merulo bets. Let's see what we've got here. Merulo bets is an affiliate of Sahara Las Vegas. Okay. Marillo Group. And then got. And Grant Sierra Resort. Let's see. Marillo Group. Uh, Firestone. I think it's one and the same. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I thought. So. Yeah, because it goes, it bounced, the Marillo Group bounces to uh, their casinos in Reno. Oh, okay. And let's just check their LinkedIn. Ooh, they have jobs. So fun. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, so it is. Looks like the same people. Okay, sweet. Now, we're going to move away from talking about sports betting and talk about some fun theme night for the NHL. The Carolina Hurricanes will have a NASCAR themed night during their game versus the Vancouver Canucks on January 15th. The state of North Carolina is the birthplace of NASCAR, as well as the birthplace of NASCAR legends, Richard Petty and the late Dale Earnhardt Sr. Do you think they'll drive a stock car onto the ice if they win? 
oh, could you imagine? Comes right out of where the Zamboni comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just do like a, like, uh, it probably would be Jordan Stahl does like a peel out on the ice. That'd be fucking sick. What if it's uh, Earnhardt Jr.? Okay, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, because I think he's from, yeah, I think he's born in North Carolina. Honestly, I'm going to propose something to the Carolina Hurricanes. Because the state of Carolina is also the birthplace of Ric Flair, I want a Hardy Boys theme night. Jeff and Matt Hardy. Yeah, that'd be fun. The storm surge center ice when they win, they both just jump off ladders onto one of the players. I'd pay to watch that, and I'm not even a wrestling guy. Oh, I know, man. Jeff Hardy would probably do like a swan, like a backwards flip off the ladder and probably kill one of the players. Okay, don't do that. No, don't do that. Although, he was at a house show like a month ago. Halfway through the match, he just walked out. <laughs> He's like, I don't need this shit. I'm done. Fuck this. Yep. Now we're going to move on to a signing, Tim. The eight, the American Hockey League's Providence Bruins have signed goaltender Tuka Rast to a personal, sorry, professional tryout. Rast last played in the NHL with the Boston Bruins during the 2021 COVID-shortened season, recording a 15-5-2 record and a .913 save percentage. I think this was only a matter of time. I'm not shocked that they did this. Well, I mean, he's been around the team almost constantly throughout this season. So, yeah, it, it was coming. And hopefully Tukaras got what he needed. And this is kind of a funny way to do an end run around the salary cap. Yeah, it looks like we're dropping Jeremy Swayman off my fantasy team. It was worth the gamble, honestly. It was, but there's, but again, Tuka Ras coming back, this might be a boomer bust thing, right? Because again, yep. he just came off of major surgery. He hasn't played. If it works out for the Bruins, great. If it's a bust, the Bruin fans can still look back on his great career that he had. Yep. And uh, yeah, it'll be hard to say one way or the other, really. Absolutely. Now we're going to close off top of the hour and this episode by talking about a trade. The Pittsburgh Penguins have traded forward Sam Lafferty to the Chicago Blackhawks for forward Alexander Nylander. Lafferty recorded two assists in 10 games for Pittsburgh, while Nylander recorded eight goals, four assists for 12 points in 23 games for the American Hockey League's Rockford Ice Hogs this season. Alex Nylander is one of those guys that Everyone wants him to have the same skill profile as his brother, and it's probably just not going to happen. No, it's kind of like the Lundquists, right? Where Henrik was this all-star, superstar goaltender, and his brother, Joel, was just kind of nothing. Yeah, and it's a bit tough because it's like it's not like his numbers are bad in the A, although no. this year they're they're not great, not bad. But I think... Like 26 points on the Blackhawks in 2019-2020 is probably good enough to be an NHL fourth liner. Mm -hmm. Although he is going to Pittsburgh where the Mark Donks of this league suddenly stand up and just play miraculously. That's what happens when you play with Crosby and Malkin. Oh, come on. Even... At the beginning of the season when he had Marco Dano and Evan Rodriguez. Yeah. Just putting an entire team on their back. 
like that's just bizarre how bizarre how bizarre bizarre. but yeah no here's hoping that it finally works out for alexander nylander but who knows yeah he'll he'll be a decent bottom six option for the penguins if needed right but yeah yeah yeah, it's it's a tweener trade one american hockey league and one nhler yep that's all we can really say right yeah yeah well, Tim, that wraps up top of the hour, which usually would mean it's time to talk about the games. Now, of course, we don't have any games. I guess it's time to head into the close for another episode, my man. It's so weird. Like, it is weird, man. It is weird. Can we just take a moment to appreciate that the Ottawa Senators have played one game since the COVID break? Yeah. Yeah, one game since Christmas. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on National Podcast Network where you can find our links to iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter. At Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901 Honey Badger at ActRateWhiteGepster, G-R-8-W-Y-T-E Gepster. If you want to choose an email to talk about Discussion Point, Top of the R, or you just want to shoot us an email to talk about my dog who's being very, very snuggy right now, shoot me an email, thirdlifepluscast at gmail.com. Okay, Tim, so for the games of the week, as it as it stands currently, Thursday, we will be in the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta to play the Calgary Flames for the Chuck Bowl. And Saturday, we will be in Edmonton for the postponed slash rescheduled game versus the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, and Let's hope these actually happen. I hope so, man. Because honestly, I don't know if I can go with another week without talking about games. Yeah, it'd be it'd be weird. <laughs> Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go Sens, guys. Woo! <laughs>